Hi, welcome back to another week of Unpacking Life. I'm your host, Annie Mark, and today my guest is Marcella De Rosa. She's a certified sleep and well-being specialist. She's a birth doula and she's a lactation educator. So like uh, Marcella, I'm happy to have you today. We're unpacking all things sleep, baby sleep, and I'm excited to have you as a guest on today's podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is like amazing. I love when, you know, people reach out and want to know more. So I'm super excited. I am excited to have you. Clearly, we've connected on Instagram. Um, I follow your page and I know you also um, interact with my content. And I definitely love all the stuff that you have and all the information that you're given. So, of course, um, in my bid to continue to educate women and help us get as much information as we can on several aspects of our lives as mamas, I knew that I definitely wanted to have a conversation with you today. But before we kind of dive into the conversation, I wanted to give you an um, opportunity to introduce yourself to the audience and let them know what you do and where to find you. So yeah, so I'm Marcella DeRosa. Um, I am a baby-led sleep specialist. And like Anne said, I'm a lactation educator as well as a doula that I've been, you know, I've been working with new families for about 10 years as a doula. So that's what led me to this kind of work. And I'm a lactation educator and um, an IBCLC student right now. So I'm super excited to just like go further and further into being able to, to educate new families in lots of different ways so they can um, have realistic expectations specifically and understand what is normal with infants because often a lot of new parents don't realize what is actually normal and what to expect. Um, so yeah, you can find me on Instagram at born with love wellness, born with, born with love wellness. I'm sorry. Um, as well as my website is born with love and born with love wellness.com. Um, and yeah, that's, that's about it. I think that's pretty awesome. Um, I actually love the fact that we have, uh, people like you in this field, because of course I'm a mom of four and it's so much information that's out there on what to do and what not to do. You have the solicited advice that you get, you have the unsolicited advice that you're getting. And so sometimes it's always great to just have that expert that, you know, can help you kind of like unpack all the things that we're confused about. But I guess before we really jump into the conversation, what would you say is the definition of a sleep coach? So who is a sleep coach for those mamas who don't know what that is? And how is a sleep coach helping us with navigating our, our baby's sleep? Yeah, so there's a lot of different terms out there. Um, so some people would refer to me as a sleep coach. Some say sleep specialist. Some say sleep consultant. So there's lots of different words. The one that I definitely am not, though, I don't mind being called any of those as as a profession, um, but I'm not a sleep trainer. Mm -hmm. So that is, that's something that I just want to specify that um, I don't do. Mm -hmm. I don't help people train their babies to sleep. That's something completely different, which I'm mm -hmm. sure we'll get into a little bit. Yes. Um, but so a sleep coach is someone who guides you toward understanding what normal biological infant 
baby and toddler sleep looks like. So um, that's where it starts, the foundations of sleep. So much goes into sleep that is not actually about sleep. So when parents reach out and they talk about um, different challenges they're having with their baby's sleep, oftentimes it's really not even about sleep at all. It's either uh, uh, their perception is just unrealistic or there's other things happening such as not enough connection time or sleep pressure isn't built up in the day. Um, there's lots of different things. So when I get an intake form with with all of the this information from my client, their routine, their lifestyle, when their baby feeds and sleeps and wakes up and how long they sleep, all of these things, I really, um, when I then meet with them, I unpack, you know, because I try to read between the lines to kind of figure out what's actually going on. So um, it, it, there's lots of different um, elements that go into sleep. And first and foremost, especially when we're talking about infants under six months, mm -hmm. it's more the education piece. Of course. Of course. Clearly. And um, so what would you say would be the definition of sleep training? And are we supposed to be concerned about sleep training at with infants or with babies or toddlers? Is that something that you would say we should be doing? I think I want to start with that concept first, because that's where a lot of the confusion shows up for us as parents is when your baby should be sleeping. Or a lot of the common questions is your baby sleeping through the night? How many times are they waking up to feed? So is that something we should be talking about sleep training with kids or are we allowing kids to progress naturally? Of course, every baby is different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everyone has different um, ideals. And so when we talk about sleep training, let's talk about what sleep training actually is. And from the definition of what I view sleep training as is not being responsive. So um, anything that takes away the parent's instinct. So when you sleep train, there's usually a method you follow mm -hmm. and there's some that um, say that they're gentle sleep training methods. And usually that means that there's timed responsiveness or something to that, to, on that level of you can, you leave your baby, they cry seven minutes later, you come back in things mm -hmm. like that. Um, mm -hmm. So you're taking away the parent's instinct. And that is my definition of sleep training. So even when people reach out to me and they talk about uh, gentle sleep training methods, um, that's not something that I'm I'm personally on board for. I don't think that anyone needs to sleep train mm -hmm. because I don't think that sleep training is actually possible. I don't think that we can teach anyone to sleep because it's a normal function, just like eliminating, you know, mm -hmm. we know how to sleep. Our infants know how to sleep. If given the appropriate environment and they're, they're, they're tired enough, there's enough sleep pressure built up. They, they have nutrition. Um, there's all those factors are, are looked at. Mm -hmm. Then babies sleep. They know how to sleep. What we do as in our culture, unfortunately, is we want our babies to meet us where we are mm -hmm. instead of meeting our babies where they are. Mm -hmm. And they're not wired to sleep long stretches as infants. Mm -hmm. They're not wired to be away from us when they sleep, to be quite honest. 
um, or, or any time for that matter, when we're talking about young infants, mm-hmm. they're, they're designed to be in sensory proximity to a caregiver at all times. Right. So that's where the, the unrealistic expectations are and why people think they have to sleep train um, because they have lifestyles that are just not conducive to having babies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I have to agree with you because um, I learned that, like, I think after my second child, or I would say that I started practicing healthier sleep habits with my third and my fourth baby. With my first baby, I don't remember the name of the method, but you mentioned it, the one about allowing them, um, I think, the seven-minute cry for seven minutes. And just mm-hmm. as a regular everyday mom, I can say that that method definitely did not work. It did not work for me. Um, and so I... I basically moved on from it very, very quickly. And I didn't have a lot of information as we have now. I know social media was a thing at the time, but I don't think Instagram was so much of like an informative um, platform as it is today, back as it was back when I had my first daughter. I think it was more about just pictures and I don't think we were really using it for that. But I say all this to say I didn't have the information that we can go online today and find out and say this is what I want to do. So you're almost like either reading books or just learning uh, on the go. So it's really good to 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 have this information to know that, OK, sleep training is you're basically saying we should listen to our baby's instincts. And this is not one of the questions I have, but it jumped up on my mind. Um, sleeping on baby's back versus on their tummy. Because clearly we've been told sleeping on their back avoids the risk of SIDS. Um, but I'm African culture um, originally. And I know that when I've traveled back home um, with my older kids, I've seen where people lie babies on their tummy, you know. So and I would always cringe because I'm, I was so used to the concept of baby lying on their back. So. Is there a reason why I think the only thing I can think of in my own kind of like layman perspective is the fact that maybe babies drooling, you know, like choking on their own drool or something like that. Or the fact that they're not able to. I don't know. OK, I would want you to explain it as the obviously expert on this sleeping on their back versus sleeping on their tummy or when is the right time to do that? So it is recommended that babies sleep on their back, of mm-hmm. course, Um and the the risks that they're not mobile enough to move mm-hmm. um, away from a surface. You know, if they were on their belly and they're into, a, they find their face into a surface, mm-hmm. they shouldn't be on a soft surface. But if they found themselves in a compromised position, they couldn't get themselves out of it. Mm-hmm. So that's where the risk comes in. Or yes, like spit up, um, something like that they can't move away from. Mm-hmm. And so that's definitely that definitely can be a risk for sure. Um, so I absolutely recommend that people fo- follow those guidelines. Yes. That being said, once babies are rolling, you know, uh, they roll from their back to their belly, their belly to their back, then that's not something that I think that anyone has to think about at that point. Because when parents reach out and they always ask that question, especially new parents. Mm -hmm. And I always say, if your baby's rolling front to back, you know, they have the mobility to move and, um, and definitely to push themselves up because that's when all of those little um, developments are happening. So of course, of course. And um, 
What would you say about babies self? Is there really such a thing as babies can self-soothe themselves? Or again, I know we spoke about this a little earlier. Can they actually self-soothe? So babies are not are not beings that actually should be expected to self-soothe. Mm-hmm. I will say because there's lots of people, especially on social media, that reach out to me and say that they their baby does and their baby sleeps 10 hours at night and doesn't wake. And um, so to those people, mm-hmm. there are absolutely easygoing babies out there. Right. There are. Mm-hmm. And it, it does, you know, have to do with temperament. Some babies are just more settled and secure and um, capable of, of that. And, but most babies are not. Most babies need more support and they're supposed to have that support. They're not intended. And the, if we go back to newborns and you know even infants, um, they, they wake and they rouse so often to protect them against this. So we're supposed to, to be there to support them for lots of reasons, for nutrition, to make sure that they get adequate nutrition, to make sure that they're safe, you know? Um, so that's, that's all nature's way. Um, so no, they're, it, self-soothing is not um, something, that term is not actually something that's supposed to be intended for infants. For babies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought so. I mean, because obviously the they're crying for a reason at this age, and we need to be paying attention to that. So it's a, it's a very challenging thing when society is trying to get us to sleep train, society is trying to tell us, let them, let them cry. And I'm thinking psychologically, what is this doing to the babies, right? We should be there to, you know, to care for them. They, they will get to the stage where you can actually, there'll be, there'll be that time in their life where they can self-suit. But as babies and as infants, it's definitely, um, not the time. Now, how many, um, before we get into that, what would you say is sleep progression? So the definition of that for the mamas out there who don't know, myself included. So um, I'm glad you said sleep progressions. Uh, there's, there's many different sleep progressions in um, the first two years of life, also known as sleep regressions. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're, that's what we're talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, so most people know, know it as the term sleep regression mm-hmm. because it's usually noted with lots of fussiness, more wakefulness at night, um, needing more support, maybe even protesting feeds because they're more distracted. Mm-hmm. But I like to call them and what the baby led sleep community likes to call them is sleep progressions because there's so much growth and development happening during those times. Mm -hmm. And the times that are noted for sleep progressions are four months, six months, eight to 10 months, 12 months, 18 months, and two years. So lots of little, little milestones of lots of growth and development and also lots of, you know, what a lot of parents would look at as regressions because their baby is needing them a lot more, waking more like an infant than, you know, like a toddler sometimes, 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 you know, when we're talking about a one-year-old or one and a half-year-old, sometimes they start waking all night long again. And that is really normal. Usually those sleep progressions only last two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. So it is a season. Um, and I always tell parents to really just be flexible during that time because yes. your baby's going through so much growth and development 
and to really feed their meter, you know, to um, get a lot of connection time in, to give them enough space to use new skills that they're learning because that's really part of it. A lot of mm-hmm. times they'll wake in the middle of the night to like babble and yeah. um, really try and do all the new things that they're learning. Of course. And oftentimes they're just not getting enough time in the day. And I think that's what it is. I call it like the FOMO stage where they just, I always feel like they're, they're scared. They're missing out on something. I don't know what they think they're missing out on, but I know for <laughs> me, when my kids are hitting those milestones, they just don't want to sleep, right? Um, but it always settles itself. Again, I can say that because I have, you know, kids that are almost pre-teenagers now and toddlers. Mm-hmm. And so you you kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel versus like a new mom who's just kind of tossed into this world and doesn't really have what to go off of. Um, so, but with, with explaining that, when is the right time to night wean your baby? And I want to tie that question in with how many naps do you think babies should be taking? Or maybe we can even start with that because clearly when they're like younger, as infants, they're taking more naps. And then as they're becoming toddlers, their naps are kind of reducing during the day. And then at what point are we weaning them off naps completely? So every baby's different, right? Mm-hmm. So when, in the beginning, when we're talking about naps, they take, you know, usually not until three to four months will you notice any kind of routine that, depending on how ba- how how long your baby normally naps for, mm-hmm. and there's chronic 30-minute nappers out there. You know <laughs> what I mean? So that, be- that being said, there might be, um, your baby might be four months old and be taking, you know, five or even six naps a day. And then um, when we're talking about, you know, usually around a year old, there's usually um, a time when they they start taking, you'll see like a pattern of two naps a day, Mm -hmm. the morning nap, afternoon nap. Mm -hmm. Um, And then most two-year-olds are taking one nap. Um, So it's a normal progression. There's often that gray area. Lots of parents reach out to me for that reason, those nap transitions that are happening. Some days they need, you know, three naps. Some days they need two naps. And yes. then um, they go back and forth before they some actually stick to the some one. Days they're you know? skipping their naps, you know, like my, my toddler. Right. They're skipping their naps. Or I notice if I don't stick to her routine with my toddler and her daytime naps, um, 11.30, when she, that's on a day that she wakes up super early with her sisters getting ready for school. If she kind of sleeps in, then she's at a steady 12.30 to 1 o'clock. She's ready to take her nap. Um, so, yeah, it, that progresses. But then once they get to a certain age, when is that age where you feel like you want to start night weaning them? Because I know when they're younger, we actually want them in lighter sleep cycles, as I've learned. Um, but at what point are they transitioning into sleeping through the night because that's a big one you know every mom is out there oh does your baby sleep through the night and then you know if your baby's sleeping through the night and mine is not it's almost like a defeated feeling that it's like it's that gray area of like competition because then they feel like their baby's not doing the right thing but really this is a case of every child is different so when is that you know when when should they be sleeping through the night and when they're not doing it when is it not normal if, if ever, it's not normal. So again, um, it's really hard to answer a question like that because again, they are also different. But I will say that let's define sleeping through the night because a lot of people think sleeping through the night means this 
12 hour stretch, you know, mm-hmm. those babies that are easygoing that sleep seven to seven. I think that's a real unrealistic expectation I at agree. all. Even into toddlerhood, I think it's unrealistic. Um, like I said, you might find yourself with an easygoing baby, but I wouldn't expect that. Mm-hmm. And I definitely wouldn't expect that for, you know, people have an easygoing baby and then they think the next one's going to sleep just like this one. And they're always also different. Yes. Um, so sleeping through the night is actually, actually means the definition of it when we're talking about infants is at least six hours. Mm-hmm. So a lot of infants, six month olds, nine month olds are sleeping six hours straight. You know, they're giving a long stretch at some point and it's not noted as sleeping through the night, but for a baby that young, that is definitely sleeping through the night. Um, and then also let's look about, look at the, the babies that, you know, are nursing in the night, Mm -hmm. uh, a few times a night, but we don't note that as sleeping all night long because they're nursing, but I don't know about you, but, um, my babies didn't really fully wake when they were, you know, when we got into a routine and older baby and we, we were co-sleeping, you know, and they would just kind of like nurse and go right back after a couple minutes. So Mm -hmm. that really is still sleeping. Um, they're still sleeping that 12 hours. They're just not, um, sleeping 12 hours straight because none of us actually do. Yeah. We all rouse in between sleep cycles, you know? And my babies did the same thing too. Like they're nursing, but they're not like opening their eyes and wide awake. They're sleeping and just mm-hmm. feeding, you know? So they always have, I know what the prompt is when it's like two hours or three hours and they need to feed and they start kind of like tossing and moving, you know, it's time for them to feed. You feed them, they're, they're drinking and going right, you know, back to sleep, but not necessarily waking up. So... Yeah, that's that's a thing. Um, and do you think that the type of ways that we're feeding the baby affects how they sleep or not sleep? Because you've always heard the thing about, oh, formula-fed babies will sleep longer versus like breastfed because the breast milk is not as you know as thick as uh, formula, so it doesn't hold in their tummy longer. Is that true? Is this a myth? Is this real life? So. It, it frustrates me that parents get told this, that mm-hmm. even breastfed babies, a lot of parents will ask me, should I give my baby a bottle of formula at bedtime mm-hmm. to help them sleep longer overnight? And I just want to go back to formula is a good tool. It's, it's, it's a good tool to have. Yes. Um, if you have to use formula, then that's something, thankfully, we have that to our advantage. Right. But... Um, I, I don't, I don't want anyone to feel like they should be using formula to help their baby sleep longer Mm -hmm. because just because formula is harder to digest, really think about that because that's what it comes down to. It's harder to digest formula. So really like a lot of babies will develop tummy issues because of formula and, and formula feeding parents have to, you know, switch formula often. There's lots of things that go into it. Mm -hmm. Um, in theory, if it's harder to digest, maybe your baby will sleep a little longer, but at potentially, is it worth it is what I'm trying to say. And there, it actually is no, and I will say there's no facts to back it up. Mm -hmm. It's just in theory. Mm-hmm. Um, I know lots of families that formula feed that their babies are still waking up a few times a night. Yes. Um, they're not 
definitely not sleeping all night long. Um, so I would say that I would go, go as far as to say that that's a myth because, you know, as a, as a mom who's done, you know, my, my oldest is almost 15 and I've breastfed, I've formula fed, I've done all the things. And I, I personally don't think that, um, it makes a difference from personal experience, um, as well as based on what I know from other families and what I've read. So, um, I would say, you know, if you, if you don't have to use formula, I wouldn't. And I agree with you because I've done both as well. Um, I'm a breastfeeding advocate as much as you can, but I'm also a mom who, um, with like my last baby, could not breastfeed as much because of like health conditions from the past and I had to do formula. But even at that, knowing everything that I know, I was really careful with formula. So like for me, my, my baby, I did goat's milk versus like cow's milk because the, the goat's milk is easier on their tummy and it's kind of closer to human milk. So that's the reason why I went with that for um, for my own personal experience. But like you said, you know, if you can breastfeed, I, I always say that's the way um, to go. Now, the next thing that I want to say is how can mothers actually change the way that they're supporting their babies? And I want to tie that question into, especially when society puts a lot of pressure on us as mothers, do this, do this, this is the way to do this, don't do it this way. How can they follow their instincts within reason and knowing that my gut is what I need to be following versus what everybody's telling me? And also understanding that your baby is different from the next person's baby. So you have to be very objective in your um, reasoning when it comes to doing stuff that is particularly working for your baby and not just what everybody else is doing or what you're reading. Because there's a lot of information out there, which I feel like is a blessing yeah. and a curse because we have mm -hmm. more information now than ever. But then also we have a lot of people getting misled because not all information is actually valid or good information. Yeah, so I would definitely want to want to start with uh, a mother specifically following her instincts. Mm -hmm. um, and if what she's doing is working, then there's no need to make changes. Exactly. You know, a lot of families, a lot of new parents will look at the big picture, look too far ahead. You know, they have this new baby that's two weeks old, and they're and they're trying to not like create bad habits, which I will note, there's no such thing as a bad habit. Mm -hmm. um, and what I, I always encourage people to do what works right now, as long as it feels good to you, yes. as long as you're okay with it, and that's what your baby needs, and that's what you're okay doing, then you should cont continue doing that until it doesn't anymore. And there's lots of reasons the, the pattern of support you're giving your baby might stop working for you or for your baby. Mm -hmm. And that's up to you to, to decide. No one else, not, right. not Dr. Google, um, you know, yes. not your, <laughs> not any, honestly, it, there's not your neighbor, not your, your parents. I mean, it's because there's, they've all had their own experiences, which are different than you. Yes. Um, and so when you get to a place where maybe you don't want to, maybe you have a nine month old and you're, and who's nursing every two hours overnight still, mm -hmm. which does happen. And I'm, and you know, maybe it's, and it's likely not all nutritive feeds. Mm -hmm. And I, that's the first thing I asked someone, what are the feeds like, especially when they have older babies and they're like, 
my baby's nursing all night long. Um, I always ask them, you know, how long before they fall back when, once you put them on the breast, Mm -hmm. how long before they fall asleep? And if they tell me, you know, it's like a couple minutes and they're, they're not even really sucking and they're not even getting anything. I always, that's like a good indicator. Okay. Then your baby's probably ready. And if you don't want to, to nurse every time your baby rouses, let's figure out a way to do that gradually mm-hmm. and with patience and with calm energy. Otherwise, you know, nothing's, nothing will work. Your baby senses your, your energy. So, right. um, but I help people to add in lots of ways to support their baby to sleep. Lots of other things that will signal sleep because that's what it is mm-hmm. when your baby rouses and looks for that pattern of support, all we have to do, and I, I'm saying all we have to do, like it's easy, it's not, <laughs> um, is, is, is shift that pattern um, from nursing it every week to then instead of nursing it every week, then maybe you're patting your baby or you're holding their hand or you're shushing them or you're singing a song or, you know, lots of different ways. Um, if partners are there, that's, a great way to shift patterns because oftentimes babies are really looking for mom. Because if we're talking about nursing back, sometimes we're not. Sometimes a lot of people reach out and they they rock their baby. They walk around and rock their baby at every every time their baby wakes, right. and um, that can get really um, exhausting mm-hmm. because your baby's growing and getting heavier, yeah, and you're fully waking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so then we're shifting away from that. Um, and the difference between shifting the, the pattern and sleep training is that we're being responsive still. Right. So you're not leaving where I would never, I, I'm totally against you leaving your baby to cry in a room alone. Mm-hmm. Will tears happen? If you're making any changes that, you're, that your child is not... Um, prepared for and they're and not used to tears are going to happen. Yes. Definitely. Yes. But the difference between, yeah, the difference is we're, we're supporting those tears. Mm-hmm. We're helping, you're, you're helping your child work through those emotions and get to a place of acceptance, mm-hmm. understanding that they're disappointed, you know, um, instead of just leaving them to kind of work it out on their own, there's a, ri- a rise in cortisol mm-hmm. and then that fight or flight response happens. And yeah, sure. Your baby might be quiet, but at what cost? Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I completely agree with that. Um, so that's really good that you're saying that. And then what do you, th- so now progressing that question, do we just let the kids on their own time or in their own time night wean? Like, do we just like allow them to just transition? There's really no right or wrong time because I mean, for me with four kids, everybody has had their own, everyone is different. I have not had one that mm-hmm. was the same in night weaning you know my 18 month old will still want a feeding maybe once or twice in the night before she wakes up so I still have that and um, I'm just allowing her to just be because I'm in transition in her own time she's not necessarily waking up but I'm passing her her bottle because I'm we're bed sharing with her and when she takes that she just um she continues to sleep Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think that there is any particular time. I think that the first thing when someone contacts me and, want, and wants to night wean and, you know, when we're talking about toddlers or even babies, I don't help anyone 
takeout night feeds mm-hmm. um, under seven or eight months. Okay. I don't feel comfortable with that. Okay. If a baby's six months old and still waking every two hours, they might still need to. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of, um, there's so much more that goes into it. There's no set age. Yeah. But it, I, I kind of want to feel out the parent and see, do you really want this? Mm-hmm. Is this something that is really important to you? Because if it's really important for whatever reason, maybe that mom is going back to work and is just like, I don't want to be nursing at night anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially if we're talking about a toddler, that's that's valid. And that's if, if you want to do that. But I always say, just know that you're going to be up for more, for longer amounts of time, encouraging this shift in pattern in the short term anyway. Yeah while you're shifting this pattern. Um, but it's totally doable. And I, I want to know that the parent wants to do it. You know what I mean? And it's not based on um, their pediatrician telling them that they shouldn't, that there's no nutrition in nursing their toddler, mm-hmm. um, which is completely inaccurate, or that they should just leave their baby cry. I mean, I, I hear that all the time and it's so, so frustrating. Yeah. Um, but I would think, you know, I want parents to think about the why. Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Because if it's easier to nurse your baby and you're okay with it, why not? You know? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Cause, um, and, <laughs> and it's great that you said the, you know, not being pressured by a pediatrician. For me, it was not my pediatrician, but it was the dentist that um, said there's no reason why she should be having um, milk uh, past uh, 12 months and talked about her teeth and said, um, rather than giving the milk at night, just give her water, if anything. Um, and that was like ugh, com- conflicting information for me, just knowing like, should I be listening to the baby? Do I just let her do it on her own time? You know, cause I mean, at this, by this time now, this is four kids. I'm just really tired of do this, do that, don't do that. Sometimes I just feel like there are certain milestones that I want baby to just achieve in their own time. As long as it's nothing that is developmentally really just holding the child back, I just want them to just achieve milestones in their own time. And so, yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm still letting her have it to bed. And if maybe first thing in the morning when she wakes up, because clearly during the day, she's not really asking for it, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I always say, if, if your instincts tell you, you should do something, then you should do it. You know, you are the expert on your child, yes. regardless of anyone else. I love that you said that. Um, so I guess my last thing is sleep training myths to bust, not just sleep training, anything, baby sleep. What are some myths that you think we need to just get rid of it? You know, um, so I already touched on it, but I will I'll kind of reiterate the the creating bad habits. Okay. I or or parents call it. There's lots of terms for it. A crutch. Um, there's a couple of other ones that you know are not coming to my mind right now. But that something that you're doing right now that's going to impact your child long term, and that's just not the case. If you're giving your child what they need, Mm -hmm. then that's what they need right now. And babies are going to change like every few weeks, Mm -hmm. especially when we're talking about infants. Um, So their needs are going to change. The season is going to change. Um, So this is not forever. 
it's, they change very quickly, and very often. Um, so that's absolutely a myth. What you are doing though, is you're, you're showing your child a pattern of support and responsiveness. And that's good, no matter what it is that, that your child is expecting from you, because that's what it comes down to. Parents think, oh, if they're expecting this, right. why don't you want them to expect it? Exactly. You know, why don't you want them to expect you to support them? We're parents. Exactly. That's what we're supposed to do. Exactly. You know? Exactly. It, <laughs> or if you, or um, if the, uh, the other one, if you cry, if, if, the, if you pick your baby up every time they cry, then they're going to expect that. Of yeah. course they're going of to expect that expect and they that. should. Yeah. yeah. That that one, the crying one, I think I've said this even in another episode. That one gets me every time. The concept of don't pick them up. I mean, they only have a short window of their life where they can be babies, where they can be kids. Hell, I'm trying to have someone take me back in a time machine to where I know <laughs> somebody's doing something for me. So the fact that you know, we we were under like, it's like a rush to just get these kids to be grown up overnight. It's like they have the rest of their lives to be, to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, that's the message that I really am trying to get across in every episode where I'm really talking about babies and with kids is honestly, just don't rob your kids of their childhood, you know, because there's days when, as adults, we we long for those days. I went into a gas station the other day and to buy gas. It was five dollars, and I'm like, "Gosh, I just want to be a kid today," but I can never be a kid again. You know, <laughs> there's just that window where, when you cross it, there's no going back. So, I think I love the message that we're sending. I love the message that you're you're um, sending across. Holistic sleep um, is so important. Just listening to your to your babies and. And being baby led, you know, by what baby needs is just so important. I love that we have that message. I love that there's um, so many foot soldiers that are just really spreading that word because a lot of moms are just under so much pressure. You know, every, you know, your grandmama telling you one thing to do, your mama saying mm-hmm. something else, your friends are saying it's too much. So I think the, the, the main gist of today is honestly listen to the facts, obviously, that I've discussed with Marcella, but more so follow your gut. Would you say, Marcella? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Well, this was such a great conversation. I mean, the, the time kind of flew by, but I'm so happy that I had you on and that we were um, re- really able to dive into some of this. And hopefully we'll come back again and do something in the future where we even dive into other stuff. I'm really intrigued by the lactation and the doula side, and I'll have to talk to Marcella about that. <laughs> but thank you so much for listening to Unpacking Live. Thank you so much to Marcella. You can find her on Instagram. She's born with love wellness. Did I get that right? Yep. (laughs) So please go follow her page. Reach out to her if you have any information. She's amazing at responding back. So make sure you reach out to her. Until next time, we'll be unpacking another issue right here on the podcast. Have a great week. And I will be back with something else next week. 